Welcome back, everybody. It's another week of Torah Stock. I'm your host, Matt LePan, joined by Kevin Ronigan. Kevin, welcome back again. Thank you, Matt. This week, we're going to get into a little more of a technical side of things, where we've talked more about Yeshi Torah's company in recent weeks, and we have our inside sales manager, Don Garside, with us. Don, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Let's start by talking a little bit about you, Don. How long have you been with the Taurus company? I think it's around 31 years and at even, this point. Even longer in the business? Even longer in the business. I started out in the trade as a sheet metal fabrication guy. Built all the ductwork by hand back in the day. You know, there wasn't automation like there is now. I installed it. I serviced it. And I sold it on the uh, contractor end. Also got into commercial estimating, project management, commercial accounts manager for a couple of mechanical contractors. And so at this point now, I was 15 years as a territory manager for the tourist company. I spent 10, roughly 10, 11 years running branches for the company. And now I'm inside sales manager. Awesome. Yeah. And you do a great job. Well, I thank you very it. much. <laughs> so pretty much from the invention of metal, you've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. Basically, there wasn't even sliced bread or uh, or or folded paper towels back then. Um, nope. You, you know, it was very, very basic and very fundamental, but it's been a great industry. Uh, it continues to be a great industry and Taurus does it right. We do a good job. Uh, they've allowed me to do some things that I felt needed to be done. And uh, so far, so good. You know, I haven't hit any walls too hard. Always things that don't go the way that we want them to initially, but We've always worked out the bugs, and I think we've got a very good system and a product and a very good overall company and customer experience going right now. So, Don, as we get into the technical side of things here, something that really has been picking up popularity lately has been a heat pump, especially up here in the New England area. We're going to talk about the difference between heat pumps and condensers today for folks, Mm -hmm. and obviously you have a ton of experience in this. Uh, Can you just talk about the main difference between a heat pump and a condenser unit? Sure. The main difference between a, a heat pump and an air conditioner is that a heat pump is an air conditioner, but it also operates as a heating system in the winter months. If you think of a window air conditioner, let's go back to some fundamentals. You've got a window air conditioner through the wall or through the window of the house. One side blows out cold, the other side blows out hot. If you were to take that window air conditioner and rotate it so the hot blowing side now is blowing inside the house and the cold blowing side is outside, you're basically looking at a heat pump. You're absorbing heat from the, I guess we'll call the indoor section of the air conditioner, and you're rejecting it to the condenser section. And the system has a reversing valve and some extra items built into it to enable the system to basically automatically rotate itself from air conditioning to heating. In addition to the heating side of the heat pump, we also usually will bring in some kind of an auxiliary heating system to support it during extreme winter temperatures. Heat pumps, as we know, lose efficiency the colder it gets and by adding electric heat or say hydronic hot water support to the system we can supplement the heat pump during its low operating temperatures and keep the home comfortable would you say the biggest advantage to a heat pump is the efficiency piece of it it is i mean heat pumps are relatively efficient in terms of btus produced per watts consumed so Um, The COP, which is the coefficient of performance, is a calculation done basically to say, if you look at electric baseboard, an electric strip, it's it's a COP of one. You're getting one watt of heat out for one watt of electricity going into it. A heat pump can actually produce more watts of, of heat for a watt coming into it. They do that through the refrigeration cycle. It also involves compressor heat, the actual heat of the compressor operating, adding heat to the airstream. It also involves the indoor blower motor 
adding heat to the airstream. So all those things taken into effect basically give you the COP. And we see COPs of three, four, five on some of the higher efficiency systems. And then you've got another um, measurement of the heat pump is HSPF. That's a heating seasonal performance factor. And we see an eight as being a good system. That's usually where you'll see uh, utility rebates come into play. What it does, it looks at the entire heating season. COP just takes, just say, a minute of operation to say, hey, we put 10 watts of heat or 10 watts of electricity into the system. We got 15 watts of heat out. HSPF looks at the seasonal performance. After the whole heating season, what happened? Because it's a, it's a fact. The factors into play there are the outdoor temperature, the indoor temperature, you know, the weather itself. One season running a heat pump, if it's a mild winter, your bills are going to be low. But the next year, it could be a super cold winter, and your bills may be high. So the system had to run longer, had to run harder, and it also pulls into effect any uh, auxiliary backup heat that you had to put in there. So that all comes into play, too. New England, traditionally, I would say, uh, was not thought of as a heat pump market. Why has that changed? The efficiency of the systems. If you notice, the outdoor units are a lot larger physically. There's a lot more coil surface area. Um, back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, they just weren't building them that big. The government, the Department of Energy, had mandated that they bring the efficiency of those, of those units up. And it was generally accepted that heat pumps be used in the southern states because it never gets that cold. And up here in the north, we just didn't use them very much. Although there were a lot of condo developments and all that that did use them, they had to put high electric heating capacities into the system to supplement. Now we've, we've got these much higher efficiency systems with extremely large outdoor units, which means the outdoor condenser coil is very large, enabling the system to absorb more heat at a given temperature. Talk a little bit about that operating range, both on the unitary side and the ductless. There's a big spread there. Yeah, so um, the typical operation temperatures of a, of a unitary type of heat pump system, like an American Standard or a train, um, typical air handler type of system, is anywhere from, say, you know, your 50 degrees down to about 17 is, seems to be the magic number. That's where we see them rated. We'll see 47 rated at 47. We'll see them rated at 17. And in some of the, uh, the, the Mitsubishi hyperheat type systems, we'll see their ratings down at 5. That's, that's the magic numbers that they're rated at. A unitary system, unless it has an inverter system to drive the compressor, will bottom out on its capacity down in the, in the teens, you know, right around 17. Now, the thing that, you know, we all need to keep in mind is we have a building that's losing heat at a very specific rate. We know what that rate is. We've done a manual J. We know how many BTUs we need at, say, 20 degrees, and we need more and more as it gets colder. The heat pump, unfortunately, is losing its capacity as the temperature gets colder. So those lines kind of converge, and then they separate, and they go opposite directions. That's why the auxiliary heat system has to come in and supplement. A Mitsubishi type of system, inverter type uh, system, has the ability to overspeed the compressor. It actually can change the, the frequency or the megahertz. Typically, electrical current runs at 60 megahertz. We can run that up well over 120 if we want to. And by doing that, we're obviously cranking the compressor. We're squeezing as much heat out of that system as possible 
And we're also adding uh, compressor heat to the refrigerant flow, and we're able to maintain pretty good performance at zero degrees, five degrees, and in some cases even lower than that. So that's kind of the key is the inverter is what really enabled us to pull heat pumps in to the northeast region here and, uh, and, uh, and implement them. Don, talking about heat pumps here, what advantages does it give to the dealer? What can they kind of go into a home, say to the homeowner, this is why you want a heat pump versus a traditional condenser unit? What kind of rebates, incentives, all that different type of stuff can dealers use to kind of upsell a homeowner to buy a heat pump rather than just a traditional AC unit? Well, the utilities rebate for uh, a minimum of 16 CR and 8 HSPF, okay? So you need to be, the heat pump needs to be above those ratings in order to get any utility rebate. Uh, the mass CEC rebate system does not address unitary heat pumps, only ductless at this point. They're talking about pulling unitary in. Um, but the advantages that I see for a heat pump over a straight AC system, we'll say, is you're putting the system in anyway. Why not allow it to work for you during the shoulder months? So if, if, a, if a homeowner or, or whoever is looking at just putting in a straight air conditioning system, it's a great opportunity for a contractor, a dealer, to say, you know, for X amount more, maybe it's 1000 or $1,500 more, we can make this a heat pump system. We can utilize the HSPF and the COP in the shoulder months, and it's going to be more efficient than your fossil fuel burning heating system um, because the fossil fuel heating system probably doesn't have any variable capacity ability. It's either on or off. Some do. Some do have some variability, but your typical boiler or, uh, say, electric heating, whatever you've got in the home now, put the AC in, make it a heat pump, and then talk to the homeowner about the usefulness of that system in September, October, and November, and March, and April, and May, and heat through those months with that. Um, as long as it's a, re, a, a decent uh, efficiency system, there's money, there's savings there. So that, to me, I talk to contractors all the time about that, and, uh, and I say, hey, why not offer them a heat pump? And a lot of times I see many contractors, they will offer a straight cooling solution and a heat pump solution. Is it something you're seeing our customers ask for more often? Is it it is, pump? yeah, yeah, more and more. And inside sales here, we talk to our contractors about that. Um, we may just make a simple suggestion during the conversation. Hey, would you like a heat pump option? And the contractors are catching on to it now, and they're starting to ask for that. We're getting people who are coming asking for a, a, a system quote, and they're looking for a straight air conditioning solution and a heat pump solution. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, and a lot of people do go the heat pump route if they understand the benefits of it. Would you say solar energy has changed the game a little bit too? It has, yeah. With the advent of the solar electrical installations on houses, solar panels going up, um, it makes sense to employ electrical heating. Um, you're a homeowner, you've got solar panels all over your roof, why, why burn gas or oil or whatever at that, at that point? Use electrical. And a heat pump makes a lot of sense at that point. You know, you've got, uh, you've got a, an appetite for electricity now, you're using electricity, you're generating it basically on your roof, why not use a free heat? So absolutely, yeah, solar and heat pumps go hand in hand very well. Don, something that has really become popular in recent months has been the hyperheat units that we offer through Mitsubishi. 
Can you take me through what some of the advantages are of those, why these are becoming such a popular option for our dealers? Sure. Well, for one reason, um, the utilities primarily are only rebating on hyperheat systems. So that's one reason. Um, and CEC as well. Um, there are cases where there's thousands of dollars available for the installation, which you know, easily offsets the uh, incremental cost of upgrading to a hyperheat type of system. The hyperheat systems, um, obviously we, we, we have so many configurations with Mitsubishi now that we can, we can employ them on basically any type of an installation. So we've got ducted systems, we've got non-ducted systems, we've got wall mount units, we've got ceiling cassettes, we've got um, floor mount console style units. So we've got a solution to almost any room situation um, and they all employ the hyperheat systems. Uh, a hyperheat system versus a non-hyperheat system is you know, somewhere in around a 20% performance dif difference. Uh, a non-hyperheat system is, you're gonna have to switch over to your primary heating um, you know, below say 20 degrees, give or take. Um, a hyperheat system, you can run that down to five or you could actually probably run it down below five um, especially if there's an alternate source of heat in the home. So if there's electric heat in the home and you've got a hyperheat, then you don't even need fossil fuel. Um, you can supplement that, that hyperheat system with some electric backup. Some other solutions are people put in uh, gas fireplaces or electric fireplaces. Uh, they put in you know any number of supplemental heating systems. We're not crazy about uh, advising dealers and contractors to install hyperheating systems as a sole source of heat. We like to see uh, some kind of a supplemental system going in there to back it up because when the temperatures get extremely low, and we've seen it where we get into the 15 below zero for three, four, five days. As you recall, it happened last New Year's, Christmas New Year's week. Um, these hyperheat systems are struggling to keep up and that's when people are wrapped up in blankets and uh, it's wise to have the conversation with the homeowner or the building owner, let them know that uh, there could be conditions where this system may need some supplemental heat of some sort to get it through extremely cold temperatures. Down south of the Mason-Dixon line, no problem. You get north up here, uh, especially New Hampshire and Maine and Vermont and upstate New York, you can get into you know, 15, 20 below zero for extended periods. The high-peed systems may struggle. So one of the prime questions that we'll always ask a contractor when he's requesting a Mitsubishi system is, especially if he's requesting hyperheat, is is this a primary heating system or a supplementary heating system? And there's a pretty big difference between the two. If it's primary heat, we need to look at this thing and what it's gonna do when we get below zero. If it's a supplementary system, then we're, then we're really only looking at running it down into the teens, and then we'll swap over to our primary heat, which is probably fossil fuel, gas, oil, propane, whatever it may be. So. Those are two distinct differences in systems and how we how the conversation goes when we're talking to a contractor about his application. All right, Dom. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to hop onto Taurus Talk. Officially, the first person that's not Matt or Steven to be on the podcast. So hey. we appreciate you taking the time and uh, coming honored. down to talk about heat pumps versus ACs. Well, thanks very much, guys. I appreciate being here, and uh, I look forward to hearing the podcast. Make sure to check us out every week here on Wednesday afternoons. We'll be pushing out new podcasts. And don't forget our Taurus Tech Talk podcast. Pretty much 10, 15-minute talk on how you can fix just about anything in your business. If you have suggestions, 
reach out to us and we will go over that with our technical guys. Make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And we'll catch you next week on the Taurus Talk Podcast. <laughs>